Can we start here? Sure. Oh, is it recording? Yeah, I was just recording, but I could start it anywhere. I was just kind oh, yeah. of checking levels and shit. But yeah, we could. But, that's the thing. I, well, I love this just to be well, a um, conversation. Well, I think I think uh, you're saying that. So you're saying that like there's a difficulty with people at, at earlier ages of adulthood to to be honest. Uh, I, I I just think that. Uh, the times when I've been most cowardly were those moments, you know, when the person I loved was trying to get me to level with them about emotions and how I really felt about something, even if it was fucked up mm-hmm. and might lead to the, the dissolution of the of the whole fucking thing. Because I'm not a person that likes to fight. I fucking hate fighting with my lover. That's the worst, worst situations in my whole life. Are those just screaming at each other, and you're just wild like a goddamn animal, and it's hard to slow down the momentum, you know. It gets, but that's the that's the thing, and I feared that a lot. But what I learned, I think, through doing the Buddhist meditation practice, actually with Thich Nhat Hanh, who I was talking about yesterday, I went and did two retreats with him, but I was also there with my girl and her daughter, and we had been having difficulty, and we learned a lot of really really helpful things. Um, from the Buddhist practice that really helped me break down some bullshit so that I could speak from an honest place, you know? Well, perhaps that's just loosen up the layers of bullshit that are that's just exactly dried up on That's exactly what that you. was supposed to do, too, that practice, those retreats. Well, you know, when, when we're talking about uh, uh, honesty and, and people being comfortable in, in their feelings... Yeah. Uh, Maybe there's just overall a momentum of of being dishonest, you know, and it comes down to these like real superficial things that are not meant to rock the boat. Like, yeah, uh, hey, how are you? I'm good. And you, you know, if you're nice, you say, you know, and how about you? And they're supposed to say, I'm good to rock that boat. You know, it, 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 it disrupts the flow of society. And I think that there is a blanket of superficial that um, deviates from how you truly feel. And a lot of people are afraid to step out of that. Our culture doesn't teach us to step out of that. Like, I had to look at fucking Buddhism from fucking, you know, India mm-hmm. as a guide. Because the this... America's not fucking teaching me shit. I feel we're you know? taught to suck it up. Like, we're the suck it sure. up people. Well, and even in terms of sexuality, I mean, it's just porn is what we have to look at. You know, but if you look at, like, ancient cultures, they have a tradition of exploring sexual ideas, you know, and the sensations and how that can combine with the meditation practice in, like, the Buddhist world. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But when I'm looking for sexual information and whatnot just in American society you inevitably just end up on Pornhub or something and I think that's the bummer because I think that's the problem that a lot of these guys that are in their 20s they're being taught a a certain way a certain sequence of events that is what sexuality is supposed to be you know what I mean but that's not intimate (laughs) that's not uh it's missing a huge part of that whole experience if you've ever actually had great sex you know what i'm saying it's not pornographic so much in the moment you can look down and be like oh shit 
if there was a camera right there, this would look fucking <laughs> sick. This is, I, I'm actually living out like a pornographic life right here. Like, this is actually happening. This is a pornographic moment. But it doesn't, uh, I don't know. I just, I just feel like the, the, the intimacy is the thing that's, that's missing. And I think that's the thing that, that women, too, are just starving for is some intimacy and i think again that comes from being honest and mm-hmm. often being honest with your feelings and men are not taught how to like it took buddhist teachers to tell me that i could be feeling four different five different however many different emotions in the same moment and as mm-hmm. soon as i started meditating and slowing things down and observing how i am instead of being caught up in it i could totally see that you know, well, it's about developing a practice of but self-reflection. I, I never, but but that's the thing. Nobody had ever brought that up to me. It wasn't until I was in my fucking forties that somebody finally, I was around people that I trusted and whatnot that were like, "Oh, have you considered this? Have you considered this? Have you considered this?" And I'm like, "Oh fuck, yeah, I've been blowing it. <laughs> mm. I've been blowing it." But you know, I even see that on. Uh, Instagram, like the the little videos and stuff where girls will really praise boys who've done some uh, self-work, you know, Mm -hmm. some like a a guy that's had a therapist is a super plus, (laughs) you know what I mean? Uh Because there must be a lot of younger dudes out there that are really fucking blowing it and are oblivious to what a woman really needs and wants. And then they hook up with an older guy, an artistic fella that might have some a broad spectrum of experience, you know? Mm-hmm. What does this person have to offer? And then sure enough, well, fuck, that was amazing. I've never come like that in my fucking life. <laughs> Even the girl I, I'm dating now, she didn't really know she was a squirter until she came to me. <laughs> no, just to be real, dude. Yeah. You know, because people didn't know how to manipulate her fucking pussy. And it's like, bro, she's like, you know, in her 30s. She had to wait that long? Because some knucklehead motherfuckers had no idea. You know what I mean? You well, know? it's uh, That's all. It's, it, yeah. That's well, <laughs> a weird for, one. For a good time. Call well, like well, that, that, no, I'm just saying. You know, in the context of things, we're older. We do have some experience. You know? I remember the first time I was with a squirter. I was in my 20s. And I didn't know what the fuck to do. I didn't know what I did. You know, you just turned it on, and it's so rare to run into somebody that does that. That it's like, you know, it's hard. It's hard to get experience, <laughs> and there's so much misinformation just about squirting in general. You know, I've had okay, other but, girlfriends in the past that totally what it, thought it was only pee, and I, you know, and I was really disgusted by it, and I was like, oh. How do I tell this person I actually have had long-term relationships with squirters? <laughs> mm. You know, it's a funny thing. But again, it's you know, it's admittedly a bit fringe. But you would know? you say that it it's the result of you being connected to your actions? Of course. I mean, she'll say and present that, in your she'll actions. say that all the time that it's not the techniques; it's me. Yeah. That, you know? well, well, but I will say it is partly the techniques for sure. Well, it. I think. I think if you're doing something, and there is a technical part of it, yeah. what is it that separates two people doing the same exact thing? 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's right. it's feel. You step it's into the, feelings yeah. and uh, your your connection, not just physically, but also energetically. Right. Because Those are the best you know, uh, you can <laughs> scare you can scare someone without ever touching them. Oh, sure. You know, you have an ability to transmit feelings. Absolutely. And and perhaps this this world that we're in now, there's a whole lot of disconnection that's going on because we're in a very awkward transition. Yeah. Agreed. So so, you know, uh, there's the, for younger generations, there's a, a physical disconnect. There's a lot of overprotectiveness, uh, 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 introverted kind People of ways. People scared to, uh, yeah, connect in in physical in the real world. Yeah, yeah. and then it's you a, have it's really unfortunate, isn't it? It's terrible. You have people who rebel against it, and you have people who sure. uh, comply. Yeah. yeah, and there's you know like rationalizations for either perspective. You know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a tricky time. It's a scary time to assert yourself, I feel like, as an individual and really speak your mind. And, you know, I feel like I'd be really, I don't know, as like a teenager, I think I'd be really uh, just kind of chill out and be quiet and not try to stir up any problems. (laughs) Yeah. Because you could just get canceled for writing the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing Mm -hmm. or, you know, I don't feel like we had those kind of pressures, you know. Mm -hmm. The bullying, too, is just insane. To me on like social media and whatnot yeah but there's bullying in real life too there is and i think that that's a big difference though we actually bullied we actually got bullied some you know what i'm saying we got into fights and stuff Mm -hmm. i got into lots of fights as a kid but i grew up in albuquerque and i have grown to understand that that wasn't really normal per se i have lots of friends that have never been in a fist fight in their life and i can't remember how many i've fucking been Mm -hmm. in you know, but again, it's just like uh, I don't know where the fuck I was going with that. That's funny. But people will Photoshop, <laughs> you know, making like hilarious memes and stuff like that. You can oh, really sure. terrorize somebody. But oh yeah, just the bullying. But that's the thing. It's because the kids, the, the, there isn't really that component that you're going to run into them in person and they might sock you in the mouth right off the bat. Well, we did. I remember being just hanging out with graffiti writers all the fucking time and in walks another crew of kids and it just turns into a fist fight just like that (laughs) instantly, you know? And and that's the thing that I don't... But that's like when I tell young people stories like that, they're just like mystified because they... Or even just that we would break into buildings to steal things or uh, run from police. I mean, kids these days aren't running from police. Seems like there was a lot more of us that were down to run from cops back then, or maybe I was just doing that so often with people that were also doing it so often it became kind of normalized. But you know, I can't imagine saying my teenage nephews running from the police. Well, again, again, you have you have a generation of parents that are increasingly controlling. Uh, in, you know, with the lives of their children, and the children are having virtual social connections, and even adults, uh, even if we're out and about, we're all staring at our phones. Yeah, you know, and and we're disconnected in in, in a whole series because there's so much access to everything. Yeah. Uh, it's very dizzying. Yeah. You know, and and graffiti. You know, most of the people that paint graffiti, that they're, they're above twenty. You know, they're above 30 even. You know, it's become kind of like an old man kind of scene. There are some young people getting into it, but it's not a 12 
to to eighteen year old doesn't seem dominated right thing. I haven't thought about that, but I, when I go back to San Francisco, I'll do poster sales and stuff, and I encourage the graffiti writers to bring their black books, and I'll I'll hit them up, and so I meet you know let's say the new first generation of of writers, and it's really cool because they are they're mostly like late teens, like in nineteen twenty, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're already like connected to other people pretty quickly. They learn styles pretty quickly, um, and you can see, you know, just their level of expertise, like actually out on the street. Yeah, but th- those younger people, I think that the ones but that are actually... twelve. No, they're not, they're not thirteen. No, because that's how I started at twelve. That's the thing. I started just after I had graduated from high school. I was way late in the game. There were all kinds of people who were like, you know, I was like 17. That were the kids that were 15 that were like badasses. Mm-hmm. Sick little wild style writers. And a lot of them were like breakdancer kids and really good skateboarders and yeah. whatnot. You the, know, and I was like the old, you know, who's this guy? <laughs> I think there's a particular type of energy that comes out of out of youth, out of, out of teens that... Um, even even the graffiti that we're all influenced by that was exported through documentaries and books, mm-hmm. uh, that type of classic graffiti, you know, was born out of teenagers. You yeah. know, uh, whereas now, you know, it's a a lot of those teens are adults now, and a, and and there's an older generation of wise graffiti people who paint, you know, uh, things that are still provoking, and they're leading you know the 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 stylistic sort of impression game they're still leading it you know uh like who well just i think any of us uh or 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 our peers you know like after a while we all know each other i think of people like futura i think futura is still doing really neat things and he's Mm -hmm. still doing his thing and Mm -hmm. he's like way older than us and has been doing it for a long time and went through all those processes that we're going through as graffiti writers where you kind of move through the whole lineage from tags to throw-ups to wild styles to productions mm-hmm. to like abstraction and then in maybe off into the gallery world and the museum world, you know, and beyond. Mm-hmm. Well, you yeah, know? there's that. And the other lane of that is the people who are still out painting graffiti. Yeah. You know, the people right. who are, you know, going and, and painting right. illegal graffiti or... Yeah. or Painting walls or just doing productions or sure. doing tags or whatever. Sure. Uh, would be good examples of those kind of well, that channel. Well, we could just say me. You sure. know, uh, no, I would. I, I've been painting graffiti since yeah, since I was down. twelve, and I'm right. forty four, and I've I've had to slow down to uh, focus on my painting. You know, like making yeah. paintings. Yeah, I had to to cut some of my my uh intense interests and other things and bring them into a studio practice to make paintings that i actually enjoyed or or felt proud of you know uh i i've focused that inner energy and i was trying to take the 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 enthusiasm that i had towards graffiti and art in general and and find that that visual language uh in canvas painting yeah and um how long have you been doing that? Like, when um, did you start, like, working on canvas? I mean, there's as, all like, different as, stages of that, like, you know? Uh, like, I've been working on canvases since I was a kid, but mm. just, like, real amateur. Uh, 
I think that uh, I returned to it as I became more involved with uh, the stylistic part of graffiti, like making pieces and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Did you make graffiti canvases in the 90s? Uh, I remember a lot of writers were doing that, like almost black book productions, but on a yeah, canvas. Yeah, I used to do black books. I used to really oh, be. I used to, I used, to I used to be. I used to be a guy in graffiti that uh, I painted graffiti, but w- the graffiti I painted because where I was living, there weren't like piecing yards, piecing spots. It was more like painting a trackside or painting on a highway or or getting up you know on the street or something like that so i was in the beginning when i was painting graffiti it was more like i was doing throw-ups tags and maybe block letters uh and then once in a while we'd find a spot to do a piece and it was a foreign thing and we thought like when you do the piece everything has to be a certain way there there are uh rules and and there's you're breaking rules or you're not and uh, when you outline, it has to land where it is, and you you, you can't hide it. You know, like uh, th- there was a whole code, and and for me, that code was limiting. So I was always better in books, uh, doing black books and stuff. And then uh, when I got arrested the second time in New York uh, in '95, I when I came out of uh, Brooklyn House, I was sent to New Jersey. Uh, and I was still in high school, and I had to go live with my mom. Mm. Uh, and I thought that was the end of graffiti for me, but then I ended up running into writers there, and I met Nace. Mm. And Nace helped me to understand a whole different way of, of process where he would build his pieces, uh, and he would cut back on his outline or, or, stri- or intentionally pass the mark uh, on on an outline and go further than it's supposed to, and then cut it back. And, I was doing that yesterday. Yeah, and yeah, I never even thought that you could do that in graffiti because I came from like New York and it was more like, you know, like all natural. I know exactly what you're saying because you know? I learned from a dude that wrote a Gree that was from Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and so he was very much like you just got to nail everything. Everything's yeah. a single pass line. You know, and it took me a lot. Actually, it took me coming to San Diego to see there was a vast, there was vast possibilities. Some people were doing outlines that were four inches thick. Some were doing outlines that were like half an inch thick. Yeah. And then there were people that were doing stuff with no outlines, like Zodak with characters mm-hmm. and whatnot. Yeah. And it just blew it wide open. And then I was like, oh, fuck. And I remember getting really uh, excited about West Coast. You know what I mean? And agree was just like, oh, but you know, don't uh, don't don't forget about the the Brooklyn rules and the you know the, yeah. the, that it's important to do the tags, throw ups, and the pieces. And there's kind of a numerical value even where it's like fifty tags to twenty throw ups to ten cents <laughs> to one wild style. You know what I mean? You but you don't just do wild styles. You you gotta like keep it. Yeah. The the uh, all out king. Yeah, the best with the most, yeah. but you had to have the most too. You, yeah, you I, had to. Yeah, it's such a fascinating I, game in that way. I, I came up under that kind of. Uh, Who taught you those early things? I, I didn't really have a teacher or anything. Yeah. I, it was just people. 
uh, like that in my school that you know like they had an no no yeah when i was in middle school they had an interest in graffiti and some of and we finally met some people that did it Mm. and uh we learned bit by bit about it uh but it was more like me and my friends all got into writing graffiti together and some of them liked drawing before and some of them didn't and out of my group i was always the better of them because i came from drawing as a kid you I know? was in a very similar cruise as starting out. Yes. That, that mix of different kids with different approaches, different artistic abilities, different uh, motivations. Yeah, and we just were doing it. I think we were attracted to the act of doing it. Uh, and some were better than others. Uh, but I was hanging out with people that were more like bombers, graffiti bombers. You know, I, I wasn't hanging out with people that were like, like really technically like piecing. Uh, that's important, I think. To there were no legal walls where I was yeah, at all. Yeah, it was that the didn't same exist. for me early, early. Like, just before I started actually being a writer. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, yeah, it was just, it was so different. Yeah, but uh, but I, I, I'm glad that I, I, I came up in, in these, this sort of, like, people saying what's right to do and what's wrong to do and what you need to do. And in graffiti, I was introduced into it that you needed to do everything similar to what you're saying, agree, uh, yeah. was was instilling in you. Uh, like, you had to have, you know, a, a good tag, good throw up, a good straight letter, a good, uh, f- we, we call them funk blocks, where sure. it's like a block letter with some style to it. Yeah. And then you had to be able to do characters, and you had to do original characters, and you had to do... This and that, so that people would, if they're looking for your faults, that you have a hand in each of these things. And and that's how I modeled my approach to graffiti. Or my interest in graffiti is, is I'm a seeker. You know, uh, as much as I fall into things that work, I might get bored and then I want to go do something else. Or I have a few different approaches that I enjoy, like, like hey, what do you want to go eat after here? You know, we could go eat at a sushi spa. We go get. I saw there was an Indian restaurant down the road. You know, I said, "Oh, maybe I eat Indian today." And that's how I approach style. Is like I like to have different games that have a different that's set a good of way rules. Because I feel the same for sure. You know, like if we wanted to play a uh, 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 chess or Connect Four, uh, they it's like it's just a different rhythm. And when you're drawing letters you're making those decisions. Am I rounding the corners or am I making the corners sharp? You know, you, you make that decision right there. And like like with Dave's piece, he has the the bubble elements as the core of the letters, but then he has in a different color the, the blue arrows, which are more tech. Mm. And you can mix them together. It's like fusion. It's like mixing honey into savory meals. Yeah. You know, you, you could play that game. And it just depends on how many games you like to play. I like to play a lot of different games. Not just one. Uh, yeah, I li- it's that way in tattooing. My generation, we were taught we need to be able to do everything, no matter yeah. what the client asks for. These days, they specialize. Yeah. They do just this one kind of tattooing and just this one kind of imagery. So, and there's pros and cons to that in tattooing, yeah. you know. But yeah, as graffiti writers, we were taught you want to do it all. It was like if I did a wild style, the next time I'd be out, I was probably doing throw ups. Yeah. Probably the time after that, I might just do a big silver on the highway. 
the time after that, you know, maybe a freight train, you know, and then, you know, maybe just tags one night in a, yeah. in a, in a, a new city, you well, know, with the locals there just mm-hmm. going nuts, you know? Last night I went to the movies. I saw this movie, Poor Things. Okay. It was a really cool movie. Right. It's like uh, done really well. Right on. Uh, and it was raining. When I came out of the movie theater, it was raining. And I was eyeing this, this abandoned warehouse that was just sitting on the side of the, the main road there. Yeah. And it was raining, and I was going to do all the walls were wet. Yeah. But I went underneath uh, like a like yeah. an awning with, like, yeah. it was all boarded up, and I did a fill-in. Yeah. And I just, lo- I just, I just love yeah. that. You know, like I, I enjoy the act of painting very much. Yeah. It just depends on what type of game I'm looking to play. Right. You right. know, and, and it should suit your mood. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it, with, with any of the choices that we make, it's important to find our feelings are engulfed in it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times I think people do things and they're very disconnected from what they're doing, whether they're working at, Home Depot and asking you, hey, how hi, how are you? And they're not looking for an answer. It's just a greeting. They have to. You know, uh, and, then, and then people go home and they have nothing to do, so they watch TV. Uh, their uh, food choices are the result of uh, convenience. Uh, there's a lot of people that are uncomfortable with themselves and don't really say how they feel. And wouldn't even know where to begin with even looking to discover that. And fear uh, keeps them from ever changing anything. And there are people that are very content living those lives. Change is scary. Yeah. And then there are people that are seekers. And there are people that discover their feelings and apply them to what they do. And, and, and that is freedom, I think. Uh, being Being in you know, an emotional connection to what you're doing and being comfortable in it. Yeah, where do you think the, it comes from, like the the courage to not fall into the nine to five and, and you know, the, the TV and the, uh, you know, how a lot of people are living around us, kind of the regular folks day to day. But for some reason, we figure out a way to not do that and I think people give us a lot of credit for that and that's part of the appeal in watching our social media and stuff is that we're doing something that they wish they could do mm-hmm. you know but I I just wonder where that where you know sometimes I think that childhood those, oh yeah you think it's just uh, I, I think it I think rooted it, there it's chi- it's childhood and how the, your parent how your parents guided you as far uh, as no uh, it, it's childhood it's childhood and your relationship with imagination. I think that what happens is is uh, children their 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 hearts are open their minds are open they they have energy, and they're in this world and it's all new and exciting, and they're playing pretend. You give them a couple of blocks, a stick, and you know some crayons, and and a this and a that, and they create a whole world, you know. Uh, and as we get older, we get sort of uh, as soon as we're old enough to wipe our asses, we're in school, and then we're told to stand up, sit down, do this, do that. This is the right answer. This is the wrong answer. Now go play. Uh, 
some of us some of us develop uh, creative interests and for everyone here in this room we we got in, we like drawing we like doodling we like creating we like tinkering whatever it is and usually as a child you get sort of um shamed out of it in a way or you feel like you need to change you need to go um have a girlfriend you need to go uh go to work to earn money you need to do this task or or that task and a lot of times we let go of passions we let go of our our interest in uh you know uh, drawing our interest in music playing the guitar whatever it is and some people live a life that doesn't have any exercising of creativity, imagination, right. or anything like that. Right. So that becomes scary to step out of logic. Mm-hmm. But we, we have surviving relationships with imagination that we were able to practically apply into our lives that it, it's exciting. It's ex- it, it, it seems crazy to, like, you know, like, to go get a, a regular job that is structured for someone else. You could do it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's just weird that, that some some people are just like, no, I'm just going to figure out how to do this. Because there's the whole thing of the starving artist. You know? That, yeah, that's sometimes the, it'd be like that. But, yeah. but that's the thing I think that people fear. They fear being poor. It's know? like a farmer. You know? A, a far- Uncomfortable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. A... a, a an artist that is 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 its own business brands, you know, uh, you know what you do uh, has a way of um, sustaining itself on some basic level. Mm. You know, uh, if your overhead's too high, cut your overhead. Uh, no, there is se- there are seasons. You know, it's like a farmer. A farmer knows that. You know, it needs to plant at a certain time of year. A farmer knows what it needs to do to store or prepare or do this or that. And an artist, uh, a self, you know, someone who's working for themselves, it doesn't matter if you're a painter or not, uh, you see the rhythm of, of, of times a year, of, uh, of, of momentums. Uh, a slow time might be the end of the year. It might be January. It might be... Uh, December to January that, you know, things dry up. Tattooing notoriously dies January yeah. through March. So you, you start to, to forecast those things coming in and you and you find creative ways to balance your life and, and also mm-hmm. feed your interests because uh, if you're disconnected to um, what you're painting or creating or depicting or... Uh, it's going to show in the work, and it's if you're disconnected, your audience that would be interested might start to see that. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. it's important to feed ourselves. Uh, it doesn't matter what you do, you know, like working a job for someone else and and acting a certain way, behaving a certain way, and then coming home and then watching a television to have uh, uh, secondhand experiences, uh, and then also a conditioning of fear uh on top of that you know people live safe lives they go to movies that's that's yeah. that's what they do you know they, uh, you watch tv in your house well, or you watch tv out of, of your movie. house yeah yeah it's yeah. just being able to live in another world for a little while 
But I'm here. To, I'm here to live my movie. My my life is like a movie. Oh, I I definitely think of it that way. I love when people put it in that context of like, you know, if there's going to be a book written of your life, like what are these chapters going to be like? Oh yeah, you know, I'm like, writing my are bio these stories. You know, I do in the podcast. Um, sometimes I'll just sit here alone and just reminisce for an hour and a half. Yeah, and that's super fun. And I get tons of positive feedback from that you know just mm-hmm. just telling those stories you know it's almost like an audiobook yeah and i think that if if you, i think everything ultimately should be working in harmony with itself you know and 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 we as as the djs of our future you know uh, we can be in an ongoing internal struggle or a dividing up of aspects of our lives and saying, okay, this is this is nine to five me, and then this is you know after hours me. A lot of people and, have to do. And this know. is me uh, at home with my family, and then this is me out and about with my posse, and this is me by myself. You know, uh, I, my journey of of, of uh, understanding this 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 you know act of being an adult. Uh, I've I've had to do a lot of. Uh, work and reflection. I've I've had these uh, interests that that all ultimately deal with you going within yourself and getting honest and sitting and, and sitting with that. And it's funny how much how much people fear that. Like when I'm getting ready to do a week long silent meditation retreat, and I'll like be telling friends and inviting friends and family mm-hmm. and they're like well what do you do and I, I basically sit in meditation pose like all day you know <laughs> and just for seven days and we walk too and we eat vegan food and you know and usually have like incredible nightmares every night it's pretty wild you know and they're like fuck you <laughs> you couldn't pay me to do that yeah. but, but there is a lot to learn from from doing that you yeah. know our teachers used to give us so much credit just for showing up to a retreat you know, because yeah. you're really one in a million that has, you know, even taken a week off of work and that you're able to do that. And you're, you're going to really try to do self-investigative work for a whole week. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just there's so few people kind of that, that can rationalize doing that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the fact that you're there, it's like you've already done 90 percent of the, the, the work. Mm-hmm. You know? When you go to like when you go to like a concert that has like a, a stage and like a like a huge uh, like speakers, you know, like one of these kind of concerts. Uh, when you step out of that concert, there are echoes of that sound that are still in your mind like that. you know because you just been totally engulfed like by it raves were that way for right sure. yeah you know like when you it's just like whoa like you just came out of something we we live in a world where people are just uh leapfrogging to noise diversions of noise you know uh uh some of my family they always have the tv on in the house it's just always on it's just there in the background. Yeah. Uh, for some people, it's music. For some people, it says, but let's say TV's on a house, get in the car, music's playing in the car, go to the supermarket, music's playing in the supermarket, uh, there's video screens, there's this, there's that, There, and then there's you on your phone. Uh, there, There's this 
bombardment of, 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 of energy and noise and, and we become addicts of, of, of filling our present life with, with all of this, that when you step out, the echoes of that, uh, it's, it's being able to sit with it long enough to have it sort of die away. And it does. Yeah, and it does. It does, yeah. And then I feel like I'm starting from the ground again when I leave a retreat because mm-hmm. I realize that everything in my life is a decision. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm deciding to do this or that, you know? Yeah. And in that way for personally, I end up feeling really good because I feel like I'm living a really extraordinary life yeah. and I'm able to do things like take off for a week into the woods. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah. Just you know going, I mean? going it's out. Like, it's just extraordinary that, you know, cause I've had nine to five jobs, had plenty you know, and it's just, it's, it's rough. It's a, especially too, it's like a, maybe graffiti writing too, where it's like, you don't want to be doing other people's work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not out there you're hitting up, you know, pieces for everybody. I mean, you got to do your work and they're doing their work. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's, imp- I think just whatever it is that, you know, a human chooses to do in, in yeah. life. Uh, I think that real living uh, you're doing well if 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 your heart's in it. What yeah. what 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 your life what you fill your life up with every day. If your heart's in it, then then you you you're doing good. But I think yeah. that for the people that are disconnected, maybe they they seek uh, versions of escape. And for some of it, it's you know maybe it's their uh drinks at the end of the night maybe the it's path well laid out for yeah, us yeah maybe right? it maybe it's yeah. uh, a, a joint uh, sure. you know maybe it's this maybe it's that maybe it's a uh, uh, deviant behavior right. uh yeah. there's a lot of versions of this and some people maybe they found a rhythm in this disconnect yeah. uh to the point that they see it as a good life and then maybe well, there's that's a, the thing because you, you know, yeah, I but mean, but you when can it crashes, by the, uh, the, the it's a well worn path, but I mean it also it has rewards along the way. Yeah, why is I mean? it it's why like, is it these people with all this money and lifestyle why are they killing themselves? Well, yeah, no, I hear you. You know, <laughs> just just because you just because you you know you have no, I, we see that your heart has that's to be the in thing. it. We see that your, your heart yeah, has to be right. in We're it. We're not and, doing that and. You know, it's it's fun to say going out to nature. You know, like I I spent about a month living along the Pacific Coast Highway in Malibu. You know, uh, in Oxnard and some of these other places. Like going up, like I just finding little nooks and and going hiking and and just living on the beach. And Do you get excited when you're walking around a place you've never been before? You get yeah, like stoked. sometimes. Yeah, I get so pumped. I know to, I know that just from traveling the world and being in foreign cities, mm-hmm. I just love walking around somewhere where I've I've never been before. You know, yeah. anywhere I am, I'll go for long walks, just even in neighborhoods and stuff, just to look at houses and things. It's like a architecture buff. But there's something so exciting and invigorating, you know, that I bring back to the studio practice mm-hmm. after I've had a chance to go somewhere, you know, and it doesn't even have to be something that's just knocking you dead. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, craziness, you know, I love too that like, uh, I forget who it might've been Emerson 
it seems like something he might say, but it's like you don't need churches if you live in the woods. You mm-hmm. know, like and there's something important there to, to you know, if you if you're looking for answers, sometimes churches help, but often if you just go into nature and really let go of your life and your identification and just connect with the rhythm that's actually that the world is actually going at that mm-hmm. there's a lot to be had from that yeah you know, you know? yeah yeah that's important work. i often uh when in regular life if i go outside it'd probably take me a minute or so to see the clouds move but when i'm on a meditation retreat and i look up on the sky i see the clouds move right away because i feel like i've slowed down mm-hmm. and you know because the tempo of real life like, especially here, man, I feel it here in San Diego because it's so expensive. I feel like I'm fucking hustling all the time. And I wish I had more time to just go float in the ocean or ride up to the mountains and walk through the trees and stuff, you know. But it's just, a, it's a hustle. So I get that, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think also it shows me how important it is to get away every once in a while. My girl's really good about that, too. If we have time together, we'll go away from fucking people. Mm-hmm. Out, 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 mm-hmm. you know out where you can see the stars again and you know get into that rhythm but uh i think it's important to uh you know touch back with that pace once in a while Mm -hmm. you know it's like the the pace of the deer walking through the woods i i noticed that when i because sometimes i would do uh sitting meditation in the woods especially in northern california and i'd do it with my eyes closed mm-hmm. and when i'd open them after like 40 minutes there'd be all kinds of wild animals just kind of looking at me side-eyed like and i have no idea how long they've been sitting there staring at me you know but there's this rhythm i think when you're calm and they're mostly pretty calm but they have to be, you know, the Buddhists say that the animal realm is a tough one, though, because you're in constant fear of being eaten, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and the human realm is different from that because, we, we, you know, we've turned it a little bit. There's not many predators for us at this point, you know what I'm saying? So it's a, a, a different thing. Um, but anyway, it's, uh, I learned a lot from that experience, you know, about I don't know. There's something that resonates when a wild animal is just comfortable around you, you know, mm-hmm. in any situation. That, that's a, I don't know. It's a heavy thing. And I feel like it's pretty rare. It's almost like death. Have you been around a, a dead body ever? Like a freshly dead body or someone in an open casket? Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of people haven't. Lots of people, you know, because most of the people die in like hospitals and it's just, it's, it's just, they're gone, you know? But there's been a few times when I've had my hands on recently deceased bodies that were still warm. And it was a powerful, powerful experience. And I think it's one of those ones that sadly people aren't um, getting to uh, experience in their life. You know, Mm -hmm. even births are usually just in a hospital somewhere, not in a home surrounded by like in a tribal situation. There might be the whole village or the whole extended family there to help usher in a, a you know a new brother or sister mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's just uh yeah there's a lot you know, like the woods just connecting with these basic things mm-hmm. and our society is teaching us to just go completely away from that into computers and things and 
it, yeah, I have a lot of compassion for people these days. Well, well I think that all of that, you know, uh, all the animals here, uh, we're all we're all you know born from the earth, mm-hmm. but human beings, I think that we operate at a different energetic level than you know it seems that it's way. it's us in nature and that's and that's what we're taught that we're mm-hmm. separate from nature that that uh that there's that that there's that world of animals and all that and then there's us and they don't have feelings and we have feelings mm-hmm. these kind of stereotypical things you yeah, know uh, basics of wild the, the, the basics yeah. idea of of what that is and yeah. and and the, and the rest of it is us yeah uh it it's it's two different it's two different energetic rhythms and i think that uh um nature animals that are out there and and, and in tune there there's an energetic sort of uh um communication that goes on and it's a lot that's not said it they feel they feel a whole lot so when they they're out there in nature and they see somebody you know, coming, you know, going for a hike, you know, who lives in LA or something like that. And their, uh, their op, their, their vibe of them is, is affected by, by their interests, you know, mm-hmm. that by that, by what kind of energy they're giving off. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think that a lot of animals are just perplexed or afraid of, of humans. I would be. Yeah. And I think that was what was so fun when I would do the meditation practice with my eyes closed in the woods, that they were very curious, you know, but also very calm. They weren't tripping. Admittedly, where I was doing that was at a center that people have been doing sitting meditation in those woods for decades now. So generations of those animals know that they're pretty safe there, you know, and I think they even try to hop the fences to get in there knowing they're they're pretty safe in there although there are mountain lions and stuff that have killed animals up there Mm -hmm. that would be a terrible retreat experience to have a fucking crazy murder in in my aunt and uncle's neighborhood in trenton there's a lot of deer that roam the neighborhood Mm -hmm. uh and you know some of them run away uh but uh, some of them let you pet them and or or not some of them i was just able to pet one in the driveway yeah. and feed it leaves and stuff and i was like wow this is kind of fun you know uh, that's a those are always wonderful experiences to me because i feel like those are i i get out of myself and i just try to become this conduit for good vibes yeah and to look the thing in the eye very calmly and smile and you know, keep my head down respectfully. Mm-hmm. You know the whole, th- you know, hand out. Yeah. Well, you, know? what, it, you being in and touch. And to get acceptance from them to me is oh, that that's powerful. Yeah. Well, you being in touch with yourself to your your feelings being woven into the fabric of who you are, and yeah. and finding a rhythm for that, or being interested in balancing it on some level, whether it be by stepping away, you know, for a retreat or or going out to nature or having the meditative practice of, of art making. Yeah. You know, you have these things that, that help to level you out yeah. so that you're mindful of, of your, your, of, of the energy that you give out that you might be able to and tune I feel into like animals. That's all I've got is a tool to communicate with animals. It seems like yeah. that's the most effective tool that I, that I have. You when, know? when I was in Mexico city, I was feeding, uh, 
these squirrels in the park by this museum with uh, food from my mouth. Ah, sick. <laughs> I got it. It's on my, it's on my, um, uh, on the roadmap to our uh, yeah, yeah. Instagram. It was just That's feeding hilarious. this. I, I just, I never did it. I never yeah. thought to do it. And I just felt like I could do it. Were they yeah. eating it out of your mouth? Or yeah. Were they taking it out and giving No, it? I, I was, I had something. I don't know if it was crackers or what, but I put it in my mouth and I was like, come on, come on. Uh, and then he did it and then i did it three times i did it three times but totally do it he read your uh energy yeah i just felt like i could in in the moment i felt like i could and you know i did it carefully or whatever but i also did it like like openly you become aware of your connection to the animal kingdom and we've stepped away as man and you know mankind from the animal kingdom. yeah we were once a part of it yeah. Well, we are. We are, whether are. whether we see it's it or not, we ways. are. Yeah, I know. Yeah. What's are, told to us all this uh, talk about you know how you know the world works, yeah. so to speak, so, yeah. or how we know it. Right. We're right. Dealing with it's like. <laughs> Can I? Uh, we created this. Switch gears a little bit. Yep. Um, I love graffiti characters. Not uh-huh. too many people do good graffiti characters. Some no. people never do them. Never mm-hmm. get good at them. But I feel like they're a you gotta really like cool it. part of the game. Yeah. I feel like it always gave pieces a lot of personality for regular people mm-hmm. that are just like, they see the lettering, it's unreadable, and they're just like, done. But I want to capture everybody's attention. So sometimes a little guy saying, ha ha, you know, is, is, does the trick. But did, were you into like uh, comic books and cartoons and stuff? Did, did some any of that affect how you approached drawing characters later on? Well, I I was exposed, you know, uh, like children were exposed to cartoons on television, uh, uh, cartoons depicted in or illustrations depicted in in coloring books, books, yeah, um, advertisements, uh, and and you're as a kid you're just drawn to vivid, playful depictions of energy. Um, so I drew like everyone else. I like to draw I, and. I developed it and, you know, it was instilled in me early on to develop original content. Mm. So uh, my uncle told me to, to be a good artist. I had to, uh, I had to create my own characters. So if I wanted to be like, well, when he said that to you, five, six, Jesus, that early. Yeah. He, wow. Cause to me, a good artist was not. Pablo Picasso. I I didn't. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't know anything yeah. about the art world or anything yeah. like that. I just really admired, you know, uh, Pinocchio or sure. or these movies and how cool. And I would try to draw it. And I had a knack. It seemed like I had a knack for doing something that remotely resembled Mickey Mouse or something like that. I so, got the same praise for... Yeah, praise. Know, once you're, yeah, it's like you saw something and then you, you, with your own hand on a blank sheet of paper, almost replicated it just from your head yeah, I, or whatever. And your parents like trip. Like, what? You just did that? Yeah. And yeah. and that, and that you you were able to take that bit of, of, of um, uh, playfulness... And, and apply it to your adult life. Oh sure. You know how do adults yeah. how do adults play now? You know they they go play by numbing themselves or or go play golf. Oh, they go play golf. Yeah, yeah golf's pretty tight. Cool. Golf, I I, golf I uh, 
have for years likened us getting together to write graffiti together like going to play golf it's just you know we're just getting together and we're doing the thing that we like to do together yeah you know and sometimes it's we do good and sometimes we play like shit but you know it was still fun playing you know but it's it's still playful in that way to me i i have that approach graffiti isn't so serious it's just like oh let's just play this game you know let's see how this goes I think I want to get into tennis. If I if I settle down somewhere, I, you know, oh, yeah. if it was you golf like and tennis. tennis. Yeah, I like I like the I kind love of. Tennis. Well, you're really good at racquetball. We yeah, I like yeah, I like yeah. Ra- games. Yeah, oh, yeah racquetball's fun. Too. I would join a racquetball club. Did you play handball as a kid? Handball. Yeah, I played a lot of handball. Paddleball as a kid. Ha- is handball and paddleball because we just didn't have the paddles. We had just those blue. Like yeah, yeah, balls. yeah, but yeah, handball, like brick walls, and I play with both school. hands. I play with my oh, okay. left and my right. I can serve uh, with yeah. my left or my right. Really, it depends on what mood I'm in. Oh shit, or the or what I want to do. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. And I figure, you know, like instead of doing backhands, even with tennis, like you know, they they do it all with two hands holding one racket. Depending on the style, I don't yeah. like that. I yeah. you know they they said oh that's how you're supposed to do it and. You gotta wear these kind of shorts and shit like that. Like, nah, I'm gonna play it how I want to play it, and I hold the racket how I hold the racket. Yeah. And um, yeah, I played with this one guy who was going on and on about, um, you know, this old man who was telling me how great of a player he was, and I I never played tennis before. It was my first time. I beat him, and he got really mad about it. And then I <laughs> played him again. <laughs> I started to feel bad, but I I spent years playing paddleball. Yeah. So I just held the racket like how I would, uh-huh. you know, yeah, that way. And I play with my left and my right. So I had a sure. wider span of, of, of ability to reach. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I, yeah, that's a mentality, too, where certain kids gravitate to team sports and other kids are like, nah, I, I'd rather just do something alone. Because even tennis, you're basically alone I, against I, an opponent versus being on like a football team. I, you know? I wouldn't mind joining like a like a a racquetball club where people get together and play or tennis or I've done that as a double like league um, volleyball. You volleyball, just, yeah, just yeah. Go you to see, a I would gym do that as an adult and that. just drop into games. And there's usually regulars, and they're like, "You six want to play again together?" And I'm like, "Fuck it, let's do it." And you just show up, and if the fifth guy's not there, you just grab somebody. Yeah, when, know, when I was in, when I was in LA, uh, I I would go to uh like organized games of dodgeball fun dodgeball super fun yeah dodgeball it, yeah. It, yeah 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 i was like oh this is awesome I'm yeah dodgeball. high energy i love playing dodgeball as a kid yeah and it's social interaction mixed with uh exercising you know yeah. like this yeah these and these getting to throw balls at people yeah these hitting the mac people yeah kickball super fun. yeah kickball yeah. we used to play punch ball so punch again ball. the same blue handball yeah you would play, everybody be on a field, you know, like uh, in, uh, we used to play on a concrete baseball field. And um, you'd have the blue ball, everybody be playing first base, second base, and all that. And you would you would either bounce the ball and punch it, or you oh. would throw it up in the air and okay. punch it. Yeah. And then you'd run and play baseball. And we used right. to, the, cool. the elementary school I went to on Staten Island uh every year the fifth grade class would play the teachers ah that's cool and you would try to beat the teachers that year yeah. and and it was punch ball yeah um that's cool i didn't even know punch ball existed well if you have a ball and you have a field you could play you get enough people you could <laughs> play baseball with a ball it just takes yeah. a ball you know 
Well, I mean, yeah. It's really, yeah. that was what was so funny. I'd yeah. be so excited to go to lunch just to play. We called it wall ball. We would play between two concrete walls. And mm-hmm. we would do the firing squad, too, if you bobbled the ball. Mm-hmm. You know? Have you ever played box ball? Box ball. So you know, box. sidewalks, sidewalks will have a square and then a thing yeah. and then yeah. that square. Yeah. So you'd have two spaces that are even, even with a line in the middle. And uh, you play kind of like how somebody played ping pong. It has to go over the line. Yeah, okay. And you're hitting it back and forth oh, yeah, in the spot. But, but with a box, two boxes on the just floor. Just two boxes. Yeah. It's At the called beach. four square. That would be two square. It's four square. And well, because I see that game at the beach. Is it Smash Ball? Where they have like the bouncy like thing in the middle that's round and they have a yellow ball and they, they hit down. You have to hit the... Oh, hit, the trampoline. The trampoline. I don't know what that's called. And, that's newish. But yeah, I see people, they have the game. whole league at the beach where they play that. It's four people. You know, and so you can just tap it, and it'll just hit the trampoline a little bit, and then they can't get under it, and they lose their turn, or they lose. No, it's a funny game. It sounds a lot like box ball, actually. I I think it. That's cool. I think (sighs) I think I think (laughs) I think forms of exercise that are tied in with play. Skateboarding. Yeah, skateboarding. You know, (laughs) that's uh, what skateboarding was for me, man. Like like going on a treadmill, or going to, you know a gym and, and doing a machine waiting for someone to get off a machine and you get on a machine it's not as fun uh so i you know i do it yeah it's not as fun for us i think some people really need that and like that and i know a lot of uh, ex-girlfriends of mine um had to work out like in a gym otherwise like on public they would get hassled and had problems with dudes yeah you know? yeah in, but it's like a treadmill. It's like it's like a hamster so wheel. So it's like you, you know, know. Yeah, they'd rather be out like running in the streets freely, but end up on the treadmill at the gym. Yeah, <laughs> I think dudes need to fucking know that shit, man. Yeah. Like you know, fucking, I have a- we're tripping girls out so bad that they they can't just run around their fucking neighborhood, dude. Yeah. That's weak. That's super weak. Um, but uh. So what were you saying about characters? Yeah, I want, yeah, that's where I was going to go back to. Like, so as you get into graffiti writing, you know, did you start to see people that were doing characters that um, stood out to you that inspired you to really kind of try to do that more? I, no, I I already when I started writing graffiti, I already had a style of characters that I oh, that's dope. but I was just Frankensteining all different things from that's dope you know, though because that's how you'll come into the game with an yeah. original style yeah and because oh, I was already attempting to do that yeah. so when I would and I and in graffiti when I was learning these rules like like your friend agent it was like you had to have original character you should be able to do your own style of characters to me, the uh, rule was just like, whatever you do, it should say you. No matter what word you write, what kind of character you do, somebody should be able to look at it and go, so and so did that. You know, yeah. even if you're doing a piece for your homie, it should still be obvious as fuck that you mm-hmm. did that. Well, that's that being a, a well, and, and that thing, you know? and that's being a master of your craft is is to do that that people see that that uh, thumbprint. Uh, you know, and, and but that and, was like a real thing that was laid yeah. out to me, like, bro, this is the whole thing. Well, you see it with, uh, you know, these these uh, masters that you know are visually marketed throughout the world. People like Picasso or 
or uh, uh, Da Vinci or, or Warhol or whoever, uh, you see it. It doesn't say their names, but you know it by the look, the technique. Yeah. You know, immediately. And, yeah. and you see that with uh, people who paint uh, graffiti. Uh, yeah. They could paint any word. And, and, and in the end, a lot of that is driven by the art market because you do have an individual style that's recognizable and therefore marketable. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, it's recognizable to the people that pay attention. Sure. And if a lot of people pay attention, then there's a, a, a bigger consensus that this is that. Yeah. Uh, if not, if not a lot of people are paying attention, if a lot, not a lot of people know who you are, well, then you know they don't know. Yeah. You know that's that's really it. But yeah. Uh, yeah. it's it's what you it's what you can attract, and uh, how much of that can hit people to the point that they remember it yeah. and are moved by it and can you know spot it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who who. Uh... Were there people that you really dug as you were learning how to build letter forms? Uh, I mean, there's different stages of that, too. Uh, That's kind of ongoing for myself, too. I keep finding new people. Or somebody from my past that I'll, you know... Like my man Eggs came up in my mind yesterday from Helsinki. Oh, yeah, yeah. I hung out a lot with in 98 when I lived in London. And just what I was painting yesterday, I just was like, oh, this is like something eggs might do. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I was really like, oh, well, how would he do the fill in? Well, yeah. He might do something like this and he might do something like this. You know? Yeah, you're channeling, you're channeling that, th- yeah. those emotions into the work. And nobody would probably see that, mm-hmm. you know. I, I think, I think make it like approaching a wall and, and painting, um, we might have we it's like it's like playing it's like playing music on stage you might have a a, a set what is it called a set list yeah. yeah you might have a set list uh and for some people who are playing instruments uh like like in a in a orchestra or something like that they might have sheet music or you don't need the sheet music you've memorized it you know uh or you're a type of musician on stage that is uh, going into improvised jazz. Whatever it may be, graffiti is very much like that. And uh, when we're getting up onto that stage, you know, when we're approaching that space to, to paint, uh, we it takes a little bit of uh, time for us to get into our rhythm, to, to, to play in key, to... To find, I was to find that, that yesterday. to find you, it, it, you know, <laughs> you, the yeah, you, you ah, the pocket, yeah, the pocket, you, yes. you, 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 like, I start, I found the groove yesterday when we were painting. Yeah. In the beginning, like, you know, we were all in the groove, but I, all my paint was still downstairs, you know, in the RV, and I had to go get it, and I knew I had to. It's like work with this little random milk crate of stuff that you had or go down and get the cans and do it right. And it was that. And then I'm also stoned because this weed you gave me made me really high. Yeah. Uh, Welcome to uh, Southern California, my friend. And (laughs) so that for me, it's like there were a lot of stop and starting where my mind was 
shifting. Uh, but I found my key. I decided to go that journey. You found your key. You were channeling uh, mm -hmm. uh, the things that you enjoy about eggs. Uh, I don't know where you were at with what you were doing. You were following your your uh, you know architectural plan. You had yeah, a sketch. A little bit. Of, I had a, a sketch, and I think that that channels some of the things that I learned from you, painting with you, and also a nod to like what Ghost does, psychedelic. In my oh, Ghost? Of that, because I really love that style. Fucking Ghost style. rules. Yeah. Yeah. I went over a piece of his back in the day. I felt bad. Oops. <laughs> was in, no, I was in Chicago. It was these guys' wall, and they were oh, like, yeah. that's the one that's been here the longest. We want you to paint with us, so paint over that one. And I was like, shit. All right. <laughs> Didn't feel stuff. good about it. Yeah. But I did try to burn it, of course. Yeah. I mean, I still, you know, you those think, rules, you, yeah. you know. Do you think you, you burned ghosts on that one? You know, I, I doubt it. But again, it was a different thing. I was doing, um, I did an SB piece for the, the crew that I was in in Chicago. And I did a profile character utilizing the techniques I learned from Zodak. Oh, so no. a very San Diego style, oh. the different light sources and stuff. Oh, so I, I did piece. go really, I did get was, fancy and I did nice use piece. San Diego letter forms even, you know. Um, so it was yeah. like, uh, you know, but that's the thing, like a New York writer, it's all about the letters and it's all about the, the technique of the letters. So my letters were a little simpler per se. Maybe there weren't any arrows. So then, it, you know, there's different ways to gauge the value of a piece over another mm -hmm. one, you know? But I think that that's where it kind of gets interesting as a conversation between us, those really fine points. Well, does this, does this? Mm -hmm. um, let me talk a little bit about arrows in graffiti. What mm -hmm. are they, how do you use them? Because there were a lot of rules when I was being brought up about what an arrow represents and how it should be used and how it shouldn't be used and where mm -hmm. it shouldn't be placed. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I, I also, you know, again, I grew up with a lot of these rules sort of like uh, orally passed down between writers and, and the, uh, the telephone game of rules sort of ended up to me that, you know, things... I remember when I was learning how to piece this, one guy said, oh, arrows are played out. Interesting. You know? Interesting. He said, he said, arrows are played out. You want to try to design something else in place of the arrow. And that's what he was doing at the time. So I was attempting cool. to do interlocking pieces without arrows. Mm -hmm. So I would try other things. I would make uh, uh, alternate shapes or I would make... Uh, what a, do you think that brings to the piece? It, it, like why why would we even fuck with that shit, you know? Well, I think that I think that we enjoy we enjoy decorating uh, or stylizing letters. Is that how to, it feels? It's like something that's like a decoration on the letter form itself. Well, you you're making a character out of the letter. That's that's your oh, your so your your approach is kind of you're bringing personality kind of well, to it by we, the positioning like my tea was yesterday where it kind of looked like a dude was dancing or something it is like sliding it it, it ha you give it personality whether you see it as a as a character or, or not uh it's the form it's you know if you're if you want to make if you wanted to pick tea well that's just two straight lines that's the most generic way to do it two mm -hmm. straight lines 
that are crossing each other in yeah. some form. Uh, that's T. But if you want to say something that's uh, official and dignified, it might be in like an old English kind right. of script. Right. Uh, right. Uh, if you want to st- say something elegant, you might write it in cursive. Uh, if you want to make a bold statement, you might write it in blocks. Right. Uh, if you want it to have movement and energy, well, then you're going to give it a bit of an italicized lean, but curves. If you want it to be playful, you might soften the edges rather than make them all sharp. You know, you make a lot a of big these. One, actually, the, you make the round corners. Yeah, you make. You, you, but I, I go from piece to piece. Sometimes I forget, uh, and you know, I might, I might be someone that can do a lot of different things. But I might hang out in a stylistic neighborhood for a while just because I like hanging out there. I you, tend you know to what do I mean? That. For a few years, I'll really kind of just fall into a thing, and then I'll proactively try to force myself out of it. Yeah, when it starts to feel boring. So what I what I do, it'd be like going to the gym. You know, it's like uh, you work out different parts of your body uh, so that you can stay balanced. Uh, you don't just go there every time and and you know work out your arms. You know, you try to work everything out. Uh, so stylistically, I see it like. Uh, exercising I see it like making choices of what to go eat food if you're eating out uh, I just have different avenues that I enjoy walking down creating in and when I'm there I revisit it it's like like I have this thing where I just draw uh, spray paint a fat cap tag and make characters out of it. I love those. And I, thank you. And I've yeah. been and I've been doing them for a couple of years now. Yeah. But you know what? I haven't done one in a while. I'm I'm on Bolo. I'm looking out for that wall. To me, they look yeah. good. I would never do it at like a legal wall. They look good on a a, a, a industrial wall yeah. or a raw wall. When I have one like okay. that. I'll do one, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and it'll be fun. Right. And then I have graffiti. Sometimes I decide to do a graffiti piece. or Sometimes I do a goofy style. Sometimes I do a more tech style. Yeah. But I have to be, the, the important thing is I have to be in the mood yeah. to do what I'm doing. Yeah. And that's self-mastery is, is being in the mood to do the things that you're doing each day. What I do mostly now is uh, marker tags and sticker tagging. And that's fun, it's too. It's very meditative. I, I do that so much, and I barely ever do pieces these days or use a spray can. Yeah. But uh, when I go on my walks around, I'll, I'll have a marker on me, usually, or a bunch of stickers. People mm-hmm. are always giving me. And it's just so fun. It's such a fun part of that. Yeah. But it's like, uh, I don't know, I've been doing that so much lately without piecing that yesterday was like, oh, shit, this is like that fucking sick full-on crazy graffiti shit here we go well this is just some tag on a window nice. man here we a, go as an exercise getting out there and hitting those lines you know? oh man and, and just like how weak my arms have gotten you know like <laughs> yeah. oh my god it yeah. takes a lot to paint a piece no i for i i forget how physical it is until i'm you know knee deep in a, in a piece or something and mm-hmm. just like fuck man we used to do this for five six hours you know and just nonstop, just painting, just going, mm-hmm. going, going. Yeah, 
No, yeah. it was that was really really fun yesterday. I, I yeah. think that there's a lot of different ways to uh, apply marks, mark making. Yeah. I think that I think that we all enjoy the action of it. I yeah. sure do. Yeah, I love it. The yeah, I love is it. The, is the fi- my favorite part. Yeah, I still love going going to some place like skateboarding or riding my bike around, and I see a tag I did that I don't remember doing. Mm-hmm. That feels so good. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck. Like, honestly, don't remember. And you're just like, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. I feel like that's when I'm making a tiny little dent, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I have to wrap it up. I've got a tattoo appointment coming up. Uh, is there anything else here at the end that you'd want to touch on or anything or let people know, like what you've got going on in the future that they well, should be checking out, checking for? Uh, okay, well, uh, I've been traveling around uh, this year. This year makes uh, two years since I've been back in America. I was living in France for two and a half right, years. Right. When I returned, they gave me a two-year ban, so my ban's up. Yeah. Uh, in that time, I've done, uh, you know, Two uh, two years, I ended up getting an RV, and I traveled around America with a roadmap to all my friends. Um, then I've done it again this year, and I'm still on tour now. Um, I'm driving up and down the Pacific Coast, um, finding places to be in nature and be with myself and, and yeah. make art. And are you able to make money on the road? Yeah, well, that's that's the art of living is is to figure out how to support what you how do. How are you doing that now? Um. I mean, you're selling merch. You got an online store or something? Yeah, I have a I have an online store uh, oh. through my website, rhymemsk.com. There you go. Uh, need to hear. If people want to support me, uh, you know, support, and that's really support cool, me that way. Straight up, like, you're, are you able to ship stuff from the RV? I do. I have see, a whole. That's, I have all set up. Because, 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 honestly, you see exactly where your dollar's going to. It's this guy in this fucking yeah. RV that does this dope shit. And you want to see him do more dope shit. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate, cool. and I have other jobs. You know, I have things that I that I do that are like long term things, and I have short term cool. things. But yeah. really, I do, and I do appreciate when people have in their lives things that remind them of me through, uh, whether it be art or merchandise, uh, that they actually care about it. You know, uh, I'd rather that it, it so it, that is is more meaningful to me than like someone who's buying my work as a financial investment who doesn't know anything about my history the whole thing that's the that's where we'll start with part two of our yeah. interview yeah right there but yeah i <laughs> i enjoy one. i enjoy interacting with the with the people that pay attention and yeah. uh it, if i could find more interactive ways to do it i was thinking about doing some uh some classes uh in different cities me too, me too. and uh just, just kind of hang out drawing sessions. Like, hey, I'm going to be hanging out at this park. I'm pulling up in the RV. I'm going to be on the beach here. If you want to come hang out with me and listen to my JBL Extreme speaker yeah. and smoke some weed and draw, playlist. come by. I'm going to draw what I'm drawing. You draw what you draw. Yeah. No, I'd love to do the same. Yeah. That's tight. Vibe. I, I just want to I want to be more interactive with vibe with yeah. people. Yeah. I like to that are cool when you just it's low key like that. You just do your thing, and if you want to join, come along. I think I think that appeals to young people. They don't like high pressure bullshit because I feel like you're getting pressured all the time. But if you just kick back, yeah, and just like yeah, just come kick it, and and then their mind is blown when they're actually. I've done some. I enjoy. I enjoy just being in a good vibe with people. That's good. You know. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you.